Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me, on the mic, hosting an episode where I share recent reflection or story from my own life, as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Alana Dunn. Alana is a dating expert and is often referred to as the face of modern dating. She hosts Seeing Other People, an Apple Podcasts Top 100 Relationships podcast, and Spotify Top 50 Viral podcast, all about helping people feel less alone and more empowered in their dating lives. The show was named one of Elite Daily's 15 dating podcasts you need to listen to this year, alongside Betches You Up and Call Her Daddy. Formerly the face of Hinge and the host of Hinge's Dating Sex podcast, which debuted at number three on the Apple Podcasts U.S. relationship charts, Alana helps individuals all over the world navigate the struggles of modern dating. Alana also hosts the Snapchat show Screening for Love, which has been featured in the Washington Post, Bustle, and Pop Sugar. It's a viral sensation with her social media content currently reaching 10 million plus people each week quite the reach. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on our Dating Explained episode of Dear 20-something. Please welcome Alana Dunn. Hey, Alana. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for having me. I feel like I'm intimidated hearing that bio read out loud. I'm like, ooh, who is this person? Like, she sounds like really impressive. That can't be me. <laughs> but that's always how the bio should be. It should be like all the coolest things you've done and I feel like a lot of the most interesting people I know never take a second to stop and like hear their bio or like hear their accomplishments, you know? So it's always fun to do it live on the show because I see people being like, oh my God, it's so weird hearing back to me all the cool things I've done. I'm like, no, relish in it. You're a cool person. You do cool stuff. Take it in. I know. It's so hard. It's so hard. I, I have been trying like actively to celebrate my wins more. That's something I've definitely like always struggled with because it's like, as soon as something happens, it's like, okay, well, like, well, I need to go after the next thing now, you know? But we have to like celebrate every little win. It's so important and it's amazing. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Super excited to chat. So before we dive into all the juicy details of dating and your background and all the fun, we like to start every show with a bit of a light and fun question. So what is something new that you learned in this past week? It could be anything. It could be like some people like, oh, I'm really reading this book. We had someone who said like, I read this article or this book about like nuclear war and we really had like a long talk about like nuclear weapons and nuclear war. It could be like I chatted with a friend who was going through this thing and you know, whatever, whatever you want. I learned, and this is actually something that I, that happened last night. I was talking to a friend. I ended up setting up a friend and like an acquaintance and she asked me a question about him about like when he got out of his last relationship because she's had like some problems in the past with 
dating people who have not yet like fully processed their breakup. And I was like, no, like it's been a while. Like he seems super over it. Like he seems like he's in a great place right now and like really wants to find his person. And so I connected them and she's been texting me all morning being like, Alana, he's already mentioned his ex 17 times. Like he is not ready to go on a date. Like I do not want to go on a date with this guy. And I'm like, you know what? why don't you just like give him that feedback? Like it's okay to give that feedback and say like, I really appreciate Alana setting us up and like, I wish you all the best, but I, I'm not sure if you're either like not over your ex or you are just like still in a place where like you want to talk about it all the time. But like in the future, I don't think it's a good idea to like bring this up in the beginning. And she was like, that's actually a really good point that I've never thought about that you can like give somebody feedback. And I think that's really important. And like, just even like having the idea for her to do that is such a good, like kind of lesson that like in dating, you're allowed to say like, you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to say like, you want to go on a date with someone and then talk to them and be like, actually, like I don't want to. And you're also allowed to say like, you're allowed to give somebody feedback and share that something they're doing might be something that's holding them back in dating. And I think that's like a really kind thing to do. And it might be shocking to the person at first, but in the end, they totally appreciate it. That's so interesting. Well, first of all, good on you for setting them up. That's so nice. And yeah, I think you don't, sometimes you don't realize things like that unless someone tells you that you can do that. Like they give you permission. They're like, hey, you didn't realize this, but like you can actually say something. And I feel like there's such a spectrum of response, like giving feedback is one end and like ghosting is the other. And like, it's really nice when you can like, at least give them an answer in the middle. But if you can like even give a little feedback in a very respectful way, I feel like that's like the best possible response someone could want. And they're like, oh, wow, okay. I'm sure that guy is thinking, okay, in the future, maybe I need to either reconnect with my ex or I need to not bring it up. Thanks a lot. Move on to the next. Exactly. So hopefully he'll learn that soon too. Yeah. And good for her. She hopefully also learned that she can like speak her mind and she can just say what she wants. It's just great. Do you do a lot of setups with your friends? Is that, are you like known for that? Or is it more just like they were the, like seemed like a good match. And so you went out of your way. I really try to. I feel like I have friends and podcast listeners and, and people who follow me coming to me all the time expressing how frustrated they are with dating apps. And I think the best thing that we can do for our single friends is set them up, get them on dates with other people. And there's nothing to lose by doing that. You know, like, and even like, let's say I set somebody up and they go on a date and they like had a good time, but are both like, nah, it's not for me. But like, maybe they have somebody that would be good for the person. You know, like the stakes are so low and there's nobody who isn't excited and appreciative of a setup. So I really definitely do try and do it as much as I can. But the problem is like, a lot of my friends are in relationships. So then I have a few single friends, but it's like, I don't have anyone to set them up with. At this point, like my friends all know each other and like I've cycled through all of that. So it's really like trying to meet other people and ask them if they have single friends, you know, because that makes the stakes even lower at that point too. Yeah, I imagine too, it's probably harder when it's like close, close, close friends because I feel like my standards, like for my girlfriends, especially like probably my closest circle of, let's say like eight to 10 girlfriends, not that nobody's good enough for them. A lot of them have boyfriends and they're wonderful. But it's like, I know everything about them. I know what they want. It must be hard to find someone that you're like, maybe it'll work. You know, it's almost easier for like the periphery, like the weak tie relationships, you know, that you're like, eh, they're kind of interested in soccer. And this one like works for like the LAFC. Like maybe they would have something in common, you know, versus like the nuances of their lives and who they are. Totally. It's also interesting if you think about the dynamics of like, well, 
if it, this is a good girlfriend that I have and this is a good guy friend that I have, like, do I want to be in the middle of this if it doesn't work out? Because I was in a situation a few years ago where I was dating this guy for a little while and I brought a friend and he brought a friend to do karaoke one night and they ended up dating. And then me and him ended up breaking up, but they're still dating. And it's three years later now and they're still dating. And for a while, that really did kind of put a wrench in my friendship with her because when he broke up with me, I was in a really bad place. And when I would talk to her and she would bring up her boyfriend, who's his best friend, I would automatically associate it with my ex. And so it was really difficult for me to be friends with her and to talk to her and have conversations with her because I was in such a bad place from the breakup. So it's something where like you really do have to kind of consider what the consequences could be if something doesn't work out one way or another. I've seen that happen too with like people setting up their best friend or their roommate with their partner's best friend or roommate. And it's like, you guys are always going to cross paths and be associated with each other if any of these situations work out. So you really have to be careful. So that's why I do think sometimes it's good to have like a friend and then an acquaintance or a friend and then a friend of a friend or a coworker or something like that, where there is that degree of separation. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And I guess maybe one of your tips as the face of modern dating, not having it be like two really close people, but really kind of separating out like maybe one can be close, but one should be a little bit more distant. So you don't run into those situations. I can imagine that's really, really tough. So let's get into like how you became this dating expert. I think it's so interesting. I'm kind of obsessed with people that are like younger, like in their 20s and have like a really defined personal brand. I find it fascinating because I'm like, how did you find the thing that you really, really stand behind? I feel like I have a few things and I'm still figuring that part out, but you are like the dating expert. And everything you've done falls under the same category. And so maybe we can just start with like, and we'll get into maybe more of your background too, but just like, what about dating gets you up in the morning? What about dating is like, oh my gosh, this is my calling. I want my podcast. I want my job. I want my friends. I want everything to be about this thing. Love to hear more about that. I love that question. I love how you asked it because it really is like everything that I do revolves around this one thing. And the truth is, it happened because of how much I've been hurt in the past from dating experiences and from people I've dated and how alone I felt in those situations and how I would constantly question like, well, what's wrong with me? Or like, well, everyone else is able to like find a partner and I can't. So clearly, like, I'm the one who has problems. And I had a really, really, really tough time for a while. I was in a really unhealthy and like toxic relationship for almost a year that kind of like broke me and put me to rock bottom. And after that, I ended up... I was working in music beforehand and I ended up having a terrible experience in the music industry while this situation was like crashing and burning. And I ended up applying for a job at Hinge. So I got the job. And the first year of the job, my job description was like the face of Hinge, literally. And I was supposed to be like on the Instagram like every single day, like talking about dating and making videos and getting on the story and stuff. And I made this rule for myself that I was never going to talk about my personal life and my dating life because I never wanted somebody to not want to date me because of what I did. You know, people would 
see that I worked at Hinge and they'd be like, oh, are you going to like make a meme about me? Are you going to like do this or that and like tell everyone what's happening on our date? Like, and I just didn't want that to be part of what I was doing, you know? So I, I kept my personal life very private for a really long time. And then a little over a year after I was there, I was going through a breakup. And because of like the bad experiences I've had in the past, like I'm not a good breakup person. I'm my worst self when being broken up with. But I feel like that's a lot of people. A hundred percent. And it makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not alone. Don't worry. That's a normal reaction to be horrifying and horrible and upset and all the things. Yeah, all good. Exactly. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I can't just like get on the story today and pretend everything's okay and just like give like motivating, encouraging dating advice when like I feel like absolute shit and I'm crying and I'm miserable. So I like recorded a video. I was in LA where my now ex-boyfriend, who had just become my ex-boyfriend like in those 24 hours, lived. And he had like just left my hotel room. We had just broken up and like said goodbye. And I recorded a video of me like face puffy, like tears streaming down my face being like, look, I know... I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel like I need to. I know you guys are always asking me for advice, but I'm going to turn the tables. Like I'm struggling. I know I have like a long road ahead of me in terms of like getting through this. And I would just love like any words of encouragement or any advice that you guys have for like right after a breakup. Like I just feel really alone and like scared right now. And I don't know like what to do. And I posted that. Actually, I didn't post it for about a week or so first. I showed my boss and my boss's boss and they were like, Oh, this is incredible. But like, you do not have to do this. Like, don't think that we like, we need you to do this. Like, this is really like raw and personal. And like, there's no pressure from us. Like we, it's up to you. And I'm like, no, like, I think I have to. And I posted those on the Hinge story and it was this like light bulb moment and turning point where there were like hundreds of DMs flooding in of people thanking me for showing them this side of me, for showing them they're not alone when they've gone through this and they've felt this way. And something I said made them feel seen in what they were experiencing. And I was like, oh my God, people don't see this side of the story. And everyone is just told like, date and you'll find your person. And like, yeah, it might, you might have a few bumps in the road, but like, you'll be okay and stuff. And no one was really talking about the really tough parts of dating that we go through. And so from there, I started making like more videos just about, you know, like my past experiences and what I was feeling and how they these situations impacted me. And I ended up being like, okay, these like minute long videos, two minute long videos are fine. But like, how great would it be if we had a podcast? And we could actually talk like about these things in depth. And I could talk to experts in the field who can actually give like actionable advice. So I started this podcast for Hinge. And that was like, oh my God, this is what I am meant to do. This is what I love to do. And it has been such an incredible journey of like, every single time I'm like afraid to talk about something because it's been so personal, because it's really hurt me. I try a little bit to do it. And that little bit has such a powerful response. And so many people will reach out about it and thank me for doing that, for bringing it up and, and putting it out there. And like, that's what encourages me to like kind of open up even more and go the whole way. And so that's what I'm doing with seeing other people and not just with me, because I know I only have like my experiences and everyone has been through shit. Like, there's not a single person out there who has not been through something whether it's in their life or in their dating life or in their personal life that impacts 
how they show up in relationships and dating and stuff. So I have my listeners come on every week anonymously and share what they've been through. And like, that is really that is such a long winded answer. But like, that's what gets me going. And like, that's where the heart is for me. Oh, I love that. And thank you for sharing all that context. I think it's so, so important though, to hear how it all evolved and like where you're at now. And I'm really struck by your ability to be vulnerable. And like, I know you kind of touched on that with your bosses being like, you don't have to do this, but it's so much easier said than done. And it's something that I've been working on too, even with this podcast. I started off podcast one. I was like, questions, just ask them about themselves, whatever. And now with time, I'm able to be more comfortable, reveal details about myself, like not be so stiff, but it is so hard to do. And it almost takes that year of doing it like not the wrong way, but doing it the more like, you know, stiff arm way. Surface level. Surface level. Yeah. And then you kind of realize like once you get that, like you said, that little bit of vulnerability and you see the response, you're like, oh, I think vulnerability is the way. And I read, I was reading this book. It's really good. I don't know if you've read it called Be by Jessica Zweig. No, I need to though. I haven't. I'm going to write that down. Okay. It's so good. So basically it's like a personal branding book. I was reading it because I was like, I'm so impressed with people that have personal brands. And she uses this quote. She's like, the secret to virality is authenticity. And the secret to authenticity is vulnerability. And I was like, I remember reading that and being like, that kind of had these hunches. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And I think there's also a difference between vulnerable about, oh, career stuff. Oh, and vulnerable about like dating. Like that is just to me, I'm like, oh my God, that's stuff. I keep so close to the chest. It's so difficult. And so I say all this because I'm impressed. I think it's really hard to do. And I think to be so vulnerable and so open is really admirable. And to do it on such a platform like Hinge where literally everyone is, just kudos to you, honestly. Huge deal. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. You're welcome. So you're at Hinge and you're doing this podcast and you're interacting with people on DMs. And then at some point you decide like, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And you're going to host your two shows, actually, your podcast and your Snapchat show. Can you talk to me a little bit about that transition point. This happens a lot with people, usually a little later in their career, but for you, (laughs) a little early, where they're like, they've kind of built themselves up with a certain brand or a certain career. And then it's like almost got to the point where they like either need to go on their own or move jobs or whatever it may be. And that's not always an easy decision when like the place you were at helped you form so much of that. So can you tell me a little bit about that time and why you decided to pivot? So it didn't happen the way I expected it to. Basically, so Dating Sucks season one was a really big success. It was great. And, you know, when I started working at Hinge, I was like the 33rd or 34th employee. Like it was very much in startup mode. It was like, okay, if you have an idea, like go do it. Like whatever you want to do, like throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And after Dating Sucks, like, you know, it had been acquired by a really big company like Hinge. And there were so many cooks in the kitchen. There were so many people like that needed to approve what was happening and needed to be involved in the decision making behind every single project that we were putting forward. And so I had found this thing that I love to do. It we proved that it worked. And then it was taking six months to get season two greenlit. And Nobody else at the company was like working on seeing other people. Like it was something I literally did like nights and weekends was when I would record. Like it wasn't taking away from everything else that I was doing. But like there were just so many people we needed to convince like that we needed to do it. And it was such a frustrating process. And so while this was happening, I'm like, 
getting really upset naturally that like I found this thing that I love so much and I want to be doing it and I'm being held back from doing it. And at the same time, I kind of felt like I was showing up to work every day, like fighting to do my job and everything that I had already been doing that had already been like proven to work. I now had to like go back and write these like 20 page proposals to do these things and to get them approved, even though they had already been done for a year and a half. And so I was really frustrated. It was also like quarantine had just hit. I'm living at home with my parents. I have no social life. I'm going through yet again, like another breakup. I'm like really unhappy with kind of everything. And I just really wanted to do this thing. And so I knew I wanted to leave. And even the head of my team there was like, Alana, like, I do think there's a ceiling for you here. Like, I think that's the truth is that like, there is a ceiling. And at some point, you're not going to be happy. And you're not going to feel fulfilled with what you're able to do here. And that was a really kind of like scary, dark truth for me because I felt so comfortable. Like I literally made my identity like Alana from Hinge. Literally my Instagram handle for a year was at Alana from Hinge. Like that's what people knew me as. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So it was like such a part of me. So the idea of like going elsewhere was really scary. And I was also in this really tough position where I did such a specific thing that I knew I wanted to do. And I was like, I don't want to just go be a social media manager at any company. Like, Could I get those jobs? Absolutely. But that's not going to make me happy. I'm going to feel creatively stunted again very quickly. And I know that's not what I want for myself. But at the same time, for me to be able to like, go to another company, another brand... like I can't go to a dating app because I just like legally couldn't. But to be able to go to another company that would allow me to like have a podcast, like be the face of their brand, it's like the only other companies I could go to that would like let me have a podcast like this for them would be Betches or Barstool. And in order to do that, I would have had to like pitch myself and get them to buy in to the idea of me doing that for them. And my confidence was at an all-time low. So I couldn't even fathom doing that. So I felt really stuck. I had no idea what to do. I was like, I need to get out of here, but I have no idea where I'm going to go. I'm not just going to quit and have no job. And what ended up happening was Hinge made the decision to shut down social media in November of 2020. If you go to their Instagram now, there is nothing there. They wiped everything clean November 2020. Not a single thing has been posted. Everything's gone. So I got let go. And so did the like one other person on the creative team. And that was it. Wow. And this was... If this was November 2020, this must have been like six months after you were starting to feel or eight months after you were starting to feel like lockdown, not great kind of exploring what's next. And then they kind of told it for you. They were like, sorry, this department no longer is needed. Bye. And you know what? It made so much sense because that I had felt like I was fighting so hard to do my job. It's because they didn't want me to do my job because they wanted to shut down my team. And it was crazy because I did not see this coming at all. And then I got a meeting put on my calendar one morning at like 9.30 a.m. And I texted like, five of my coworkers in a group chat being like, guys, I think I'm getting fired this morning. And they're like, Anna, shut the fuck up. Like, if you're getting fired, we're all getting fired. Like, what are you talking about? That would literally never happen. You have the most job security in the world. And I did feel like I had the most job security in the world. I was a lot of from Hinge. And I get on this call with the head of my team who was on paternity leave at the time. And I just go, am I getting fired right now? I knew it was happening. He was like, not fired, but we are letting you go. Yes. I'm like, okay, I'm getting fired. And in that moment, I'm literally in this call with him and the head of HR. And I am texting my old co-host from Dating Sucks saying, I'm getting fired right now. Let's start a podcast. Love it. You just knew right away. You didn't even have... 
So you talk about being this breakup person where like you hear this news and it's so sad and so hard for you to process, but like you got some really shit news from work and you're like bounce back. You're like, okay, good, fine, done. You were like ready for it almost. You kind of probably, your hunch, you probably knew it was coming, I guess. Or you just were ready for the next thing. I truthfully did not know it was coming until 20 minutes before it happened, but it was like a weight off my shoulders because I had felt so stuck. You know, like I needed this kick out the door. I needed this shove out the door. Like I kind of referred to it as like a breakup that needed to happen that I didn't have the balls to do myself. And I decided, I was like, I'm not applying to other jobs. And I'm going to give myself like six months and I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to freelance and I'll see if I can make it work. And like, I never even checked. Like, I don't even know when the six month mark was. Like I never checked in. I was just like, I'm doing this. Like I am making it work. Like this is... I'm so much happier. I feel so much more fulfilled. It feels so empowering to be able to make my own creative decisions. Like I just loved having the ability to have ideas, see them through and kind of iterate when needed. And no one's telling you no. Like that's the other thing. Like I'm the same way. Bureaucracy, I don't love. And it's really, really challenging, especially when you had a great season one. And then you expected that to happen again and it didn't work out. And so for you to be able to just do what you want to do and speak to the boss of yourself, I mean, you can't ask for anything more. You literally can. I think that's everyone's dream is like freedom to do what they want to do, contribute to the world in the way that they think that they're meant to. I mean, that's, I think that's what everyone is striving for. How did you figure out the supporting yourself piece? Because I think obviously if you were able to be at home, maybe you stayed at home a little longer But that's also, I think, a huge part of the like, do I go on my own? Slash, do I be a podcast host? Slash, do I freelance? Do I need a steady paycheck? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that realistic piece of like, well, there are like, I need to eat food and have a roof over my head. So I was living home for a while. I was still paying rent and going back and forth to my apartment, maybe like one week a month or something. I totally would have loved to not be paying rent and just live at home and then move back in when I was ready. But that wasn't what was happening. But it was nice. Like my parents were putting food on the table every night. I didn't have to worry about that. I definitely saved a lot of money during quarantine. But that aside, yeah, it's very challenging. I had this idea to freelance maybe two and a half years before when I was trying to leave music. And when I ended up getting that job at Hinge, I wanted to freelance. And my parents said like, Alana, you are not ready. You don't know what you're doing. You need years more of experience before you can handle that. And I was really mad at them for saying that for like, kind of, I felt like, like, don't tell me what I can't do. You know, if I want to do this, like, you know, but they were so right because there was so much more I needed to learn in order to be able to make the right decisions and know what clients to work with and not and what to charge and how to even just like work with other people and on different projects. Like there was so much that I learned in those two years at Hinge that I definitely like used to kind of start this like freelance business. But it was tough. So first of all, like starting a podcast, if you're trying to make money, like don't start a podcast. That's not going to make you money. Trust me. It only has... I've started to monetize this year in 2022, but the podcast came out in January 2021. I was very lucky to have a following. The people who listened to Dating Sucks, who followed me when I was at Hinge, like stuck along for the ride, you know? So I was lucky to have that. But it was really about finding freelance clients. And I'm a terrible negotiator. And I know that I have been underpaid and I've been undercharging people the entire time I've been doing it. 
And that's something I need to work through and deal with on my own. You know, I'm facing those consequences. But it was really about like, okay, I need to get the word out there that I am available for hiring. Yeah, like I'm ready to work. And what kind of freelance? So I was doing social media management for some people, video editing, launching TikTok accounts for different brands and stuff, podcast producing, really like anything. There are luckily a lot of different skills that I have that kind of go into the things that I do. And so I know I have these skills that other people don't have. And it's like, it's funny because like I lack all the business skills. I got all the creative and like technical skills, but that's what I have to offer. So I was in a really fortunate position where because what I did was so public facing and so out there, everybody knew what I did. Everybody had already seen my work. I didn't have to like send portfolios out. Like I posted on like in my Instagram story and LinkedIn that like I was freelancing and jobs came to me. And I recognized that I was really fortunate to have that happen. And that that's really not the case for most people. But you built that brand. You did that. You were Lana from Hinge, but you made it personal. You made it your life. You made it your identity. So you did that. Like, yes, but also you worked for that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say it was easy. Trust me, it was not. I learned so much. I've learned so much in the last year and a half. Like I can't even begin to explain, but I've learned by making mistakes. And I've undercharged and been significantly underpaid to a point where it's like actually very upsetting. And that meant that I had to take on more projects in order to pay the bills, in order to pay rent, in order to be making the amount of money that I needed to make this work. And so that also means that I was so overworked and working nonstop all the time. And at points that meant that I had no creative energy left for seeing other people, for the podcast, for my baby. Like the thing that really I was trying to turn into a business and turn into the main thing that I was doing. Another thing that I kind of got myself into was I took on jobs that I really should not have. And I really... It's like dating. It's like you need to kind of figure out what your deal breakers are, figure out what things you need out of a freelance, like a a client partner relationship and figure out what types of people you're compatible with. And I definitely did not do that well. And I was taken advantage of. I was working with people who had absolutely no respect for me. And there have been a lot of tears over the last year and a half. But at the same time, like that's how I learned. And that's how I've become more confident in the things I'm doing and my ability to turn down opportunities. And I am really like happy and, and lucky to say that like I'm now at a point where I'm winding down my last freelance client this month. And after that, I will be doing the podcast full time. And that's something I've wanted to say and like been dreaming of saying for so long. And it feels really, really good to get there. That is insane. We just have to double down on that because also the fact that like, yes, it's a year and a half of trials and tribulations, but you'll also take that now into all your ad deals that you sign and all the guests that you have on. And you'll be like, yeah, I've actually been disrespected before. I've actually been underpaid before. So like, this is my rate or these are my deal breakers. Take it or leave it. And all of that is the knowledge you needed for this next thing. And it's such a, such a huge deal. Like you have to make sure you're celebrating that. And I will just say too, like you are the expert on all things dating, which is something that I absolutely suck at. And I know a little bit about negotiation and business. That's like more my jam. 
So I feel like we can figure out some barter system here. Like next, next contract, I'm like, no. Alana will not get paid less than this. She is extremely desirable. She's got other clients. Like, do not mess with her. So I'm just saying, I'm going to throw that out there. We'll see how things evolve. But like, that's the only thing that I can do. You know what I mean? Like, the only skill I have to offer is like business and negotiation skills. You've got many others, but yes. Oh my God, 100%. I'm in. I'm all in. So something happened recently that kind of to your point of you know, I can now take all these things that I've learned and and the mistakes that I've made and the new boundaries I know I want to set and apply them to everything I'm doing moving forward. Something just happened to me. Like I'm still processing it, but I have been going through contract negotiations with the podcast network for six months now. And it's something that I was so excited about. You know, it really felt like the next big thing for me, the right step in like the direction of making this thing happen that I wanted for so long and, and making it really legitimate and a business. And I've been so excited about it. I've like falsely celebrated the contract almost being signed so many times. And it got to a point in these negotiations where it just didn't feel right anymore. And I started to feel like it wasn't going to be the partnership that I wanted it to be, that I needed it to be. And it is something that I never imagined myself walking away from because of how badly I wanted it to happen. But last week, I walked away from it. And I was really scared to do that. And I feel really, really good about that decision. Because there have been, like I said, like people I've worked with that it hasn't gone well. And this is my baby. Like this is my brand, my baby, like everything that I've worked for for so long and and something I care so much about. And I just, I need it to be the right thing. And just like in any dating situation, like if you don't feel good about something, if like in your gut, like in the back of your mind, in your heart, like, you know, it's not right. Even if it's like, oh, but you have to start over and you're back to square one. You have to go meet people again and go on dates again. And like, as sometimes like much as you dread that, if you know something isn't right, the right decision is to walk away. And so just to your point of like, learning all of these things and taking it with me moving forward. Like I do feel really proud of myself. And I I don't think I would have made this decision this time last year. Yeah. I think also like listening to your body and your gut is what women do not do enough. I just feel like we know when things aren't right for us and something in us, like people I think have different manifestations of this, but like if I really sit with something Like, let's say you receive a contract and you're like, this doesn't feel right. Or you're thinking about a partnership long-term years from now where you see yourself, whatever it may be. And you're sitting there and you're like, this isn't it. You have to walk away because you're just going to regret that decision later if you suppress that and you just do it. And so I think it's really, really, really important that as women, like we actually listen to our gut. And if something does not feel right or a partnership feels off, we move on. We find the next thing. Absolutely. And you learn more about it as time goes on too. Like, I wanted this to happen so badly. Even six months ago, if you would have told me that I was going to like walk away from this, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. Like, why would I ever do that? But as it went on, it just started to feel less and less right. And yes, I'm starting over. I'm back at square one. Maybe I'm going to go talk to podcast networks. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to do it on my own. I don't know. But I know that I made the right decision for myself. Yeah. And you can walk away being really proud. Like, I think that's the other thing too. It's like, you have to sleep with yourself at the end of the day and know that you're doing what's right for you. and you can be happy with that. Absolutely. Thank you for walking me through all that. I would love to just get a little bit of like a quick fire. How do you think about dating? Rules for modern dating. 
while we have you, because you are obviously the queen of modern dating, first question would just be like, what do we all get wrong about it? I think like that's, dating is sort of this taboo thing. Some people really love it. Some people really hate it. Some people do it. Some people don't. Some people are in long-term relationships. Some people can't find a relationship. Like what is the thing, if you were to say globally, we all got wrong about dating, what would it be? There's two things I want to say. The first is it's not going to work out until it works out. So you might be sitting there feeling like, oh my God, like I'm trying everything. I'm meeting all these people. I'm going on dates. I'm putting in all the work and it's not working. Well, guess what? Maybe you've you've met 30 people. Yes, that's a lot of dates to go on. But just because your person isn't in that 30 people doesn't mean your person's not out there. Doesn't mean you're not going to find them. That's 30 people. I can think of 30 people that I know that I've met that I would never want to be in a relationship with that I would not be compatible with. You know, you're trying to find somebody to build a life with and to feel like your best self with and to grow with and to learn with. And that's not an easy thing to find. And so if you feel like it's supposed to be easier, like, well, everyone else can be in a relationship and can find their person except for me. First of all, half those people are not going to end up together, probably more than half of them. And second of all, there's nothing wrong with you. Dating is really hard. And everything we see on social media, it's just like happy couple here, like couple doing TikTok dance there. Like, oh, like they're on a vacation. Like they just got engaged. Everyone's so happy. There's so much love out there. It's like, oh my God. First of all, that is just what they're putting out there. The number of times I've had my friends tell me they're in a fight with their significant other, and then that's when they post the happy Instagram picture. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're perpetuating this lie. It's not always rainbows and sunshine. It's not easy. And just because it seems like everyone else is in a happy relationship, like, doesn't mean they are. And so, like, just remind yourself, like, it's not going to work until it works. Like, you're just looking for one person and you will find them. You just have to continue to, like, be your true, most authentic self and keep putting yourself out there. And you never know when you're going to find that person. So it's not going to work until it works. And the other thing goes back to what you said before, like, what are the rules of modern dating? There are no rules. And that is the hill I will literally die on. Like there cannot be a set of rules for how you should date, how you should text, who should send the text, who should confirm the date, all that stuff. Because we're all individual, unique people with our unique experiences, our past dating experiences. And I started this episode by talking about like the traumatic shit that I've been through in my dating life. And so what works for you is not going to work for me because I have a fuck ton of dating anxiety, because I've been cheated on, because I've been gaslit and manipulated by people I've dated in the past. And so I need to date in the way that works for me. And following the same set of uniform rules is not going to work. Think about everybody in like, like whatever group chat you have that you write in with the most, like everybody is so different. Everyone is such a different type of dater, a different type of person has a different type of people they like to date. And so there's no one set of rules that's going to work for all of us. And people get so caught up in being like, I have to follow the rules. I have to follow the rules. I have to play it cool. I have to play the game. You know, I can't show too much interest, but I can't show no interest at all. Like I have to keep them, you know, interested enough, but not too much. No, you just have to be yourself. Because if you're following these rules, if you're playing these games, you're almost like falsely manipulating someone into liking this version of you that isn't you. And eventually, the curtain is going to come down. Like 
And what's going to be left is who you are. And that person's going to be like, oh, this is different. This is not who I thought I was dating this whole time or who I thought I was getting to know. And so you have to be yourself and you have to do what feels right. And if that means sending a double text, like nobody's ever going to end something with you because you sent a double text or because you confirmed the date or because you sent a thank you text after the date that you had a great time. Like, guess what? They're going to appreciate that you're communicative and upfront about how you're feeling. So that is, like I said, the hill I will die on. There are no rules. You have to just be yourself. I love that. It's so refreshing to hear because I do think a lot of what's out there is if it's been more than three days, he's not interested or she's not interested or don't DM, just text or don't call, just this. Like it's so structured. And I agree. It's such a good point. Like each person is so different and they come with their own baggage. So like some people are going to have different anxieties around different things. And I think it's it's just so personal. And if that person doesn't like you for double texting, then they're not for you. Bye. Because guess what? Once you start dating me, I'm going to send you 10 texts in a row. Yeah. And I need you to not give a shit. <laughs> exactly. And also if they really like you, then that's not going to matter. It's just like, oh, this is just who they are. It's just one other additional fact about them. It's not like a deal breaker. How do you recommend people find people? So that you might be a little biased because you were the face of Hinge. And obviously like social media apps are kind of the rage with COVID and also just the rage with remote work and people in general, social media. Do you have suggestions for where you think people meet people? And have you seen anything work really well? So yes, in a sense, like with the Hinge thing, I will say I'm biased towards Hinge, but not because I work there. Because when I started working at Hinge, to that point, Hinge was the only dating app I had ever actually met people on. I'd been on Bumble. I'd been on Tinder. I was on The League. I was on JSwipe. I was on Coffee Meets Bagel. I was on literally every... If there was a dating app, I was on it. And the only app that I ever actually went on dates from was Hinge. And so for that reason, as along with like many others, just from talking to people and, and seeing what's happened and stuff, I do think Hinge like gives you the best opportunity. But also, it depends on how old you are. It depends on what area you're in. You know, every area is different. Like in some cities, it's Bumble instead of Hinge. And I totally respect that. And I have nothing against Bumble, you know. It really is a matter of like trying the different apps out and seeing what feels right for you. I think that people, especially people who feel really burnt out from dating apps, I think need to try and put a little effort into meeting people in real life. And yes, that might involve putting yourself into a really uncomfortable position for a few minutes and going to a speed dating event, going to a singles event. You know, I know I just shat on the rules for 20 minutes, but like Lindsay, We Met at Acme does events all the time. So does NYC Date Night. Like all of these people are doing events. Also, I shit on the... I disagree with the rules. Love Lindsay. Putting that out there. (laughs) Um, Have to give that disclaimer. Great friend. So there are all of these ways where you can put yourself in the position to meet other people. And yes, it might feel weird. Like, oh my God, this is so awkward, embarrassing. We're going to speed dating event. Like, guess what? Everyone there feels the same. And everyone there is showing up because they want to meet someone. And that's one of the hardest things about dating apps is that you think everyone there is trying to meet someone, but you don't really know anyone's intentions. A lot of people are not actually trying to meet someone, even if they're on like the more relationshipy apps. But if you are putting yourself out there and going to an event like this, I guarantee you the chances that the person that you're going to end up talking to or the people you talk to are looking for something serious is significantly higher because they are putting themselves in the position to meet people. They're doing the uncomfortable thing and going to this event. So I would definitely recommend finding speed dating events, finding singles events in your area. And you know, that might 
be something that sounds so uncomfortable for you. But like, there are ways that it can be better. I've heard of bookstores doing singles events. So if you're an introverted reader, that's something where guess what? You're going to meet a lot of other introverted readers there. Who, and you can talk to them about books if that's what you feel comfortable talking about. You know, like there are just so many things that you can do to give yourself the opportunity to meet people. And people just aren't doing them. People are not taking advantage of them. And like I said, like we talked about setups for a while. I think setups are amazing, but not everyone is just going to automatically think to set you up with someone. And so really put yourself out there, you know, text your friends, text your cousins, text your coworkers if you feel comfortable, if you have that type of relationship with them and be like, no pressure at all. Like if you think of anyone for me, or if you have a friend who has a single friend who you think I'd get along with, like here's a few pictures of me and like a little bio that you can send along. And I will go on a date with whoever you think is right. And that's the key thing there. You have to be open to going on a date with somebody that they set you up with. You can't be like, oh, set me up with someone and then they ask around and then they come back to you with someone. You're like, no, not that one. You have to trust their judgment and just go on the date. It's one date. It's an hour or two of your life and you can find ways to enjoy it, even if it's a bad date. That's such a good tip. I love that. I think also your comment about people being uncomfortable in person at a speeding event is much more likely to turn into something because you know their intentions because the uncomfortable thing is much harder versus a social media app, I think is a really smart point. And I've never thought about that. And then I also really like this like little blurb. There's no shame in being single. Just send it to the people who you trust, their judgment. You like their circle of friends and make it easy for them. Like you said, a few photos and a little quick bio and just like put yourself out there. But that's the vulnerability thing we were talking about, which is so hard for people. Like I think being open with a coworker or a cousin or, a, you know, a, a, maybe a little bit more of a distant friend. Like I am single and I am like, that is hard. That is hard to do. So I think it's also making sure that you're in the right spot to be able to do something like that, that you're ready and that you're open. Okay. Well, we are basically at time. I have a final question for you. We ask all our guests this. This has been so fun. And you've obviously shared lots of insights for 20-somethings, but if there's like one piece of advice that you could tell every 20-something across the world, what is that one piece of advice? This is something that my mom would tell me all the time growing up. I never started listening to it until like second half of high school. And since then, it has taken me really like everywhere I've gotten in my life is because of this one phrase. If you don't ask, you don't get. And people will be like, oh, you got so lucky. It's like, no, you made that luck for yourself. You put yourself in that position. It's the same thing. It's like, if you don't go to a speed dating event, then you're not going to meet the person that could be your person at that speed dating event. You have to put yourself in the position to have the things that you want happen to you and to get those things. And if you don't ask, you don't get whether that is about, you know, you are applying to a job and you don't know anyone there. So you go on LinkedIn and send a cold email asking if you can pick someone's brain about something about the company. And then you ask them if they'd feel comfortable sending a referral. Maybe that's how you get the job. And same goes for dating. If you are a really big texter and the person that you've gone on three dates with is not texting you that much and it's making you really anxious, they have no idea that it's making you anxious. They don't know that. And they're not going to know that. They can't read your mind unless you tell them, be like, don't want to be annoying. I get really anxious. Like if I don't hear from you for a while, it's not that I'm needy. It's just like I've had experiences in the past that make me feel this way when this happens. And, you know, it would mean a lot to me if I heard from you a little bit more in between dates. And I've said that exact thing. And guess what? The guy has turned into like the world's greatest texture overnight. And 
in asking for these things that you need, you also, especially in dating, are giving people the opportunity to show you who they really are and if they can show up for you in the way that you need. And you may as well find that out sooner rather than later. So if you don't ask, you don't get. Oh, that's my motto too. And I feel like mom advice is just always A plus advice. Except for my mom saying where there's one, there's more when it comes to bugs. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Back to our conversation <laughs> offline about her finding a cockroach. We're going to hope that she's wrong, that there are no more cockroaches. Um, Yeah, it's such good advice. It's so true. It's if you don't ask, you don't get. And also really communicating. It's like getting exactly what you need. And I think, like you said, you just find out if that person's right for you. If they have a bad reaction, okay, bye. You know, it's all just like tests. It's all just, if that's not working for you, then on to the next. Fine. You're just learning a little bit more about me. You're gathering data. You're gathering data. Awesome. Well, can you please let everyone know where they can follow you, follow the podcast, learn more about all the fun stuff you're up to, give a little bit more detail. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And to everyone who listened, thank you. It means the world. I am at Seeing Other People Everywhere. And you can listen to Seeing Other People wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to follow my personal account, it's at Alana Dunn on Instagram and TikTok. Amazing. No longer Alana from Hinge. No longer. Alana, who used to be from Hinge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then like, let's say someone wants to submit their dating story for seeing other people, because I know you shared that's the premise. Where do they do that? Because I think, is it DM? Is it website? Is it, what is it? You can DM me. I love to get like more details about your actual situation. Email seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. The episodes are called Unfiltered. They come out every Thursday. They can be 110% anonymous. Like 90% of them are, except for people who say they don't want to be anonymous. So I promise like confidentiality is so important to me. Like my priority is you feeling comfortable and safe sharing your story. But yeah, anything anyone has been through or experienced that they think and even one person would benefit from hearing about send it my way, seeing other people podcast at gmail.com. Perfect. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alana. This was so fun. I loved having you on. So fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts. 